If you've got Netflix or Apple TV and have logged on in the last couple of weeks, you've probably noticed two things those streaming services have been promoting. Over on Netflix, The Kissing Booth 3 got top promotional billing following its August 12th debut. And on Apple TV+, Plus, the sitcom Ted Lasso, starring Jason Sudeikis, has become a bona fide sensation. It seems like everyone is talking about it. So we're going to jump into that conversation today, too. Hey, everyone. Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, Ted Lasso has been earning rave reviews since its second season recently launched on Apple TV+. And today, I'll be talking about this show with Paul Acey and Lauren Cook. A bit later in today's episode, I'll ask Plugged In's Kristen Smith to unpack why the Kissing Booth franchise is so popular, what there is to like about it, and why parents might decide that the show's worldly messages aren't good for their kids. So with no further ado, let's find out what we need to know about Ted Lasso. Like it or not, Richmond are changing the way we do things. And from now on, that way is the Lasso way. The show stars Saturday Night Live alumni Jason Sudeikis in the title role as perhaps the world's nicest soccer coach. And what do we do with a show that isn't always as nice itself as its lead character? For that matter, how do we think clearly about entertainment, whether it's this TV show, another one, a movie, music, even a video game that's a mix of really positive but really not so positive content? My colleagues, Policy and Lauren Cook, have been reviewing this show for Plugged In. We've got multiple episodes reviewed, which is kind of how we go about things in Plugged In TV review land. And we would definitely encourage you to check out the full review if our conversation piques your interest today. But I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about this. Paul, you have been talking to me about this show, man, since last season. It's now in its second season, I believe. It is in its second season. That and is correct. As I look through the entertainment news, the buzz is growing. People are really jazzed about this show. So what is the deal with Ted Lasso? Why are people excited about it? And, and why is it generating so much interest? One, it's really well-written. Okay. Really well-written. It's been nominated for like 16 gazillion Emmys. It's, That's a lot. Approximately. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's <laughs> give or take. Yeah, give or take a few. It's racking up a lot of awards. And, and it's because of the sharp writing, the sharp characterizations. The other thing that I find so appealing about it if we can go there, is that it is one of the nicest shows on TV. It okay. is one of the, the honest-to-goodness nicest shows on television. I honestly think the main draw to this show is how fleshed out the characters are. I mean, you wouldn't... This show is based on, if you don't know, and back in, I think, 2014, when NBC was carrying the Premier League, which is, you know, British soccer, and they did a series of commercials starring this character, Ted Lasso, and now it's been adapted into a multi-series hit television show. So you wouldn't think that a show based on a literal sketch character would be so... It's hilarious, but there are also parts where it really tugs at your heartstrings and it's really almost sad. Like there are parts where 
the character of Ted himself is so deep and so complex. Like he's really, he's just a really nice guy, but he's a nice guy all the way through. But he also has a lot going on with like in his marriage and a lot going on in his life that um, really fleshes out his character. And that's true with almost every single character, supporting character in the show. They're all so, you just feel so deeply for all of them. Let me just riff off of that a little bit because Lauren's absolutely right. It was originally mm-hmm. this promo for NBC. So it was almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. Oh, literally. Exactly. It was just to like another Jason Four minutes, lots and lots of jokes, and Ted Lasso in those, I thought, was kind of a jerk. You can find mm-hmm. these on, on YouTube. He was not a very nice guy. In the first couple of episodes of the first season, you, you see... It a lot of those jokes are recycled from the original promo, actually. So it takes a little while for it to hit its stride. But they retooled the character in a strange sort of way. Instead of being this typical, you know, angry high school coach who's yelling at everybody, he becomes like this sweet beacon of positivity. You know, it's a very strange. I wish I could be more like that, personally. <laughs> we, but I work at plugged too. in, so I have we to call things too. out, right? That's true. <laughs> so what? It's a sitcom. It's a sitcom. So what's the plot? I mean, is there much of a plot or is it just he's a nice high school coach? What more? What else is going on here? Yeah. So the basic plot is Ted Lasso. He's an American football coach and he sort of goes viral for doing, you know, just his antics. He does this crazy dance in the locker room and he goes viral for it. And then he gets hired to coach a British football team, except he doesn't know the first thing about British football. And you find out that he was hired by the owner of the club. Um, her name is Rebecca. And she hired him in order to trash the team and run it into the ground as revenge to her ex-husband who previously owned the club and it's his favorite thing in the world. So as revenge, she wants to drive it into the ground. Um, so but she sounds like a nice character. She's a great character. Well, here's the thing. She, you start out hating her, but you find out she's a great character. Like you love to hate her and then you just love to love her. I mean, she's <laughs> that's the thing about Ted is even she can't resist how how charismatic and how friendly he is. The team hates him initially because he doesn't know what he's doing. The fans hate him because he doesn't know what he's doing. But no one can really resist his charm. He is remarkable in that he does something that, ironically, for a show, and I know we're going to get into some problems. The problems with this show are significant. But We'll come a, back to that. In a lot of ways, the show has a deeply moral and even Christian message. Wow. In that, you know, it's not specifically Christian. The, yeah. the word mm-hmm. Christianity is never mentioned here. But there is a sense of grace mm. about Ted where the people who treat him poorly, he tends to respond with kindness. Hmm. The, the so hostility, he's a Christ figure then. He, he in well, some ways... Yeah, yeah. Too, too much, too well, much. It, it may be, yeah, because he he's just a fascinating character. And I think that, that when we look at... The world around us, you know, we we deal with entertainment all the time, and the entertainment that we would deal with is inherently, it seems like, especially now, very cynical. Mm. The sci-fi stories that we deal with are all dystopian dramas where it's all gloom and doom. The comedies have this wicked sense of humor, yeah, and even you, the superhero shows they can't resist mm-hmm. deconstructing they get darker those and darker and darker. This show gives us this fallen world, this world that that Ted Lasso enters where everybody hates him. And it shows the redemptive power of kindness. Mm. And it's really incredible to watch. You know, I think even as Christians, sometimes we don't quite believe that love is the strongest tool of all. I mean, we can be cynical ourselves. Right. 
Ted Lasso sort of pushes against that notion. Wow. I mean, it's kind of amazing, really, because as you said, five minutes on any news outlet, left, right, middle, or somewhere else, and there's plenty of fodder for cynicism. So it seems like a show that really invites us to think differently and think Christianly, even if it's not explicitly Christian, is a good thing. But we know but. there's a yeah, we know but. there's a but yes, coming, right? Unfortunately. So what's the but? What do we need to know on the other side of things? Man, goodness gracious, does this show have problems? I mean, so we've loved it, and now we're going to hate it, and then we'll talk about that tension. That's exactly right. Because I was actually when I assigned Lauren to sort of pick up on season two after I had reviewed season one. My season one review felt pretty scathing for how sweet the show was, and yet everything that I wrote about it was also kind of right on the money. They swear constantly throughout the show. There's tons of really strong profanity throughout. You have tons of sexual content. You don't necessarily see any nudity, but you do see a lot of a lot of entendres, a lot of sexual lot of conversation. It. Yeah, yeah. It, you have a it's really suggestive and kind of mm-hmm. nasty stuff. Exactly, and and even the good characters, even Ted Lasso, does some things that we would not approve he of. He does make some mistakes. In. That's true. He doesn't get the hundred percent plugged in. He is not. You no, know, maybe not. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take the Jesus comment back. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he does make he does make some mistakes, and that's why he's not a perfect character. He's not a sort of Christ figure that almost makes him um, more endearing and more. It does make him more interesting in terms of writing but it also makes him more problematic for the viewer um yeah like paul said there's a lot of dialogue and again this does take place in england where swearing is a little different than it is here but still a lot of really strong profanity and um some sexual situations that are kind of in almost every episode so it's almost like a minefield sort of so you're navigating there's this really great message and really great characters but every episode you're kind of stepping over the more problematic content well that leads me to my next question and i'm going to comment on my question before i ask it i will say i don't think there's a single black and white uh, answer to what I'm going to ask you guys. So I'm, I'm really interested in an in honest discussion and I'm not pushing the discussion anywhere. Um, but how do we as Christians make sense of entertainment that falls in this very weird sort of no man's land where there's a lot that's redemptive and there's a lot that's really problematic and not just tiptoeing over the edge in one scene where you can hit the mute button or fast mm-hmm. forward, but but throughout, how do we how do we think about that both for ourselves, maybe as parents, and how do we help our kids to think about that? It's a really provocative question. And I think one of the ways that, that Plugged In has always dealt with it in the past is almost a little bit of a cop-out. We, we often tell, <laughs> we often tell our, our users that we give you the information so that you yourself can decide for you and your family. Okay. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think we do that is because it's such a tricky question. And every person in every family may draw those lines a little bit differently. Um, so it's really not an easy question to answer. That said, I will try to answer it. Good, because I wasn't going to let you off the hook with that answer, (laughs) even though that's true. (laughs) You really have to be mindful of, I think, your own sensitivities, of the way that certain 
parts of entertainment make you feel, about how they make you think, about what you know your weaknesses are, what you know your fears are. Is Ted, you know, what we often talk about when you talk about shows that have a lot of swearing, they sort of lower the bar mm. to language issues in your own. They could desensitize Exactly, us. exactly. So are you the type of person who can be desensitized by language? Or is it something where you can say, no, I just don't swear. That's not where I am. That is not a problem area for me. Um, that can help you sometimes navigate some of these issues. But at the same time, as, as you, Adam, and I have talked about, um, sometimes we're not really aware of our own weaknesses. So right. it becomes an even more difficult task to try to figure out what to do with a movie or with a show like Ted Lasso. I think, yeah, I think everything you said was great. And it really just all depends. It's again, kind of a cop-out answer. All depends on your personal judgment, especially for parents. Like, you know your kids better than anybody else does. You know what they can handle. You know how mature they are to be able to understand like what they're watching is not good and not biblical and how not to implement that into their daily lives. Um, that being said, we've talked a lot about the great stuff about Ted Lasso. There's a lot of great stuff in there. I think you can find most of those in um, most of those messages and themes in maybe some other content that doesn't have these issues. Um, is it going to be maybe as well written? Uh, depends. But I think just because it has some great stuff and it doesn't mean you have to sit through all the negative content in order to get to it. There's so much entertainment out there. There's a ridiculous amount of content yeah. in the universe. Um, so if you're a parent and the excessive swearing and sexuality is too much for you, you don't want to expose either yourself or your children to that, then do some digging and uh, go on pluggedin.com. And Thank there... you. Thank you. <laughs> no, you know, just plug in that real quick. But there are alternatives out there for um, good content with the same themes that doesn't have that content in there. I, th I think by nature, anybody who listens to this podcast enjoys entertainment, at least to mm -hmm. some respect. I would hope so. And these are, these are conversations that we need to have with ourselves, not only with our families, because I, I, Ted Lasso is not a family show, right? right? Um, but we need to have these conversations with ourselves, most especially, because whenever we step into the world of secular entertainment, we are thinking inherently about these issues. What... Will I accept to get a good message? What right. kind of problem That's a great is? question. Do you have? You know, it, because I don't want to frame it as a compromise, but in a way you really are weighing the pearls that you can find in the mud. How many pearls do you need to make this amount of mud right. worth wading through? Yeah, and you I know? don't think there's one answer to that question, but I think the important thing that you're talking about, actually both of you, is being honest with yourself. I think if you're watching something and there's that twinge of, mm, I'm not sure about this, that could easily be the Holy Spirit convicting you, right? And I think another way to think about it is, what influence can I see potentially that it is having on me? And sometimes, as you said, Paul, we can't see that, but we could even ask somebody else in our family, Absolutely. you know, do you see this influencing me? And it takes a certain amount of humility to allow other people to speak into our lives with the things that we like, with our habits. Um, but hopefully we can cultivate environments where uh, maybe a spouse, maybe a close friend has that freedom to say, you know, I'm not sure about this. And so what I don't want you to hear is uh, us making some sort of an excuse to go watch whatever you want. And by the same token, 
when you have these stories that have a strong redemptive message, there might be a reason why you're attracted to it. We just need to be honest about how is this influencing me? And and Laura and I love what you said. There's so much entertainment mm-hmm. out there. Sometimes even with something that may be really well done, we still end up drawing that line and holding to that conviction as Christians. It's like, okay, I like this, but I actually don't need to go here because of what it does expose me to. So, um, you know, I think at Plugged In, we probably do lean toward the caution side of things in general, even as we say, I think there's a lot of freedom to, you know, go before God and say, Lord, where are you at in this? And and it may be that the answer is really clear if we're willing to be yeah. <laughs> that transparent yeah. with God. So what about you, our listeners? Where do you draw the line personally or for your family when it comes to what you will or won't watch? We would love to hear what you have to say about that question. So let us know on Facebook or on Instagram. And finally today, it is with a heavy heavy heart that we bid adieu to Lauren Cook, who has served as our intern this summer. Lauren, thanks so much for doing a lot of heavy lifting. We (laughs) threw you in the deep end and you immediately began swimming with the sharks like you'd been there since birth, practically. (laughs) Um, I have been swimming with the sharks since birth. Okay. That is a hobby of mine. Okay. That's good to know. Um, Thank you for everything you have contributed to our conversations here on the Plugged In Show and the reviews that you've written at pluggedin.com. Thank you. It's been such an amazing summer and I've learned so much and it's been my absolute pleasure to be here. So thank you for everything. Thanks so much, Lauren. Well, I hope our conversation about Ted Lasso gave you a better idea of what to expect if you or someone in your family is curious about that show. And now we're going to talk about another franchise. This one, a movie series on Netflix, and it has been incredibly popular. It's called The Kissing Booth. As it turns out, our reviewer, Kristen Smith, has reviewed all three of these movies. Kristen, when the first of these movies, which stars actress Joey King, came out in 2018, you did not mince words. You said it was, quote, a disaster, unquote, for the teen audience that it was aiming at. Well, now we're three years and a couple more kissing booths down the road, and I want to talk about what makes this franchise so problematic and where there might be glimmers of redemption. Well, first of all, what's the overarching story of the kissing booth? I mean, is it like a box that people get in and kiss or where's the title even come from? Yeah. So it's about this girl named Elle Evans and her best friend, uh, Lee Flynn. And at the beginning, she and him have this um, like basically like a whole list of best friend rules, the things that they live by, the things that they have to do. So um, they're platonic friends. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They've been okay. best friends since they were little. Um, they're and not kissing friends. No, no, no. But they have to help like do a fundraiser for school. So they yeah. come up with a kissing booth. Right. And so Elle goes in the kissing booth against her will, of course. Right. And she has to kiss Noah Flynn, which is her best friend's older brother. And she's had a crush on him for a while, but it hasn't really been something that she's talked about because he's kind of like a jerk and, you know, sleeps around and things like that. He's a bad guy, as Billie Eilish would say. Yes, that is correct. Um, And so that's the really, the first one is the story of Elle and Noah dating. 
and doing a lot of other things. Um, and then the second Shall one. Shall we say more than dating? More than dating. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then the second one leads into um, kind of like a dance competition. So her and Lee are still best friends. And their their thing is um, Dance Dance Revolution um, that they go and they practice at an arcade. And so they do this big dance competition. But of course, she's still dating Noah. And how can she be best friends with Lee while she's with Noah? It's complicated, And right? then there's like some guy named Marco that shows up and it's Hello. a love triangle. Right. Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> Sorry to all the Marcos out and there. And then the third one um, is the summer, the last summer right before college. And it's Ellen Lee trying to figure out how to have their best year yet or their best summer yet again while she's still dating Noah. And just to review, yeah. Ellen Lee are the friends, They're not the, friends. the romantic yeah. friends. They are the best friends. Okay. And she's, you know. It's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. I don't really know what to say other than that. <laughs> I would say watch it, but don't. So let's move right. on. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about why we maybe don't want to watch it. And let's talk about, I want to start actually with kind of the opposite question, mm. why somebody might watch it. You know, I think it's safe to say that Netflix doesn't make three movies right. unless people are watching it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so Netflix doesn't release their numbers of viewership very often. Occasionally when it's in their best interest, they do. But mm. it's a pretty rare thing. But Obviously, we know anecdotally, mm -hmm. Netflix sees this as a huge franchise. If I'm a teenager, mm -hmm. and it's been a minute, but let's pretend, why would I be drawn to this story? And especially, I think, is, is it fair to say it probably targets girls more than guys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think for the same reason that to All the Boys I Love series, which is also on Netflix, and that's a trilogy, um, it really focuses, the kissing booth really focuses on Elle and her relationships and moving okay. through high school and figuring out who she likes, who she wants to be, um, what she cares about, how to like balance friendship while having a boyfriend. And those are all things that you deal with in high school. Okay. Um, and I think probably too, there are a lot, I was, as I was watching the third one, I thought to myself, there are really are a lot of fun elements in this. Like okay. these teenagers, as you know, most movies in Hollywood get to do all the cool things. Like they skydive and they, you know, are on go-karts, but it's like they have really swimming pools. They have huge swimming pools in LA and like it's just this extravagant Plus lifestyle. They're beautiful, which is always they're a bonus. They're all beautiful. Right? You know, they they've Even beach the best houses. friend is like beautiful, yes. right? Right. So all these fun things that like I think would probably attract a lot of high schoolers. It, it, it seems pretty obvious as to why it would be popular. And specifically for girls, it's a love story. Okay. It's a romantic comedy for teenagers. And you've got both of the sort of core relationships. You have the sort of friend relationship right that, you know is this supposed to be something more now we don't want to wreck how awesome the friendship right is. right and then you know the guy right mm -hmm, and, exactly and maybe it's too simple to boil relationships down into those two categories but it's that probably common. rings true i'm yeah, guessing yeah okay well we've talked a little bit about some of our concerns let's let's expand that a little bit what are the problems here with the franchise as a whole and maybe this, you know, final episode in, in particular. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to be really honest. When when I was assigned the first movie and I sat down to watch it, I thought, I just thought I knew what I was going to expect. Like, it's a teenage girl who falls in love with a guy and it's pretty simple. I was horrified when I watched the first one. Right. Like, content concerns, clothes come off way more than I thought they would Teenagers have sex all the time. Parents seem to not care. There are basically no boundaries. Um, and 
the relationship between Ella and Noah is extremely uh, manipulative and toxic. Okay. So we could just start there. And so if you're even, a parent that's paying attention, it's a parent's worst nightmare, but the parents are all out to lunch in the first All one. the parents basically don't care except Elle's dad sometimes. Okay. Um, and it's just really weird. And when they do care, it's not about their kids' sexual lives at all. It's just uh, about how to find yourself and things like that. And are there any consequences for their choices? Typically, no. Um, well, I mean, I think relationally with Elle and her friends, there are there are consequences. There's tension there sometimes. Yeah, like there's some tension and you might have to ask for forgiveness. And I think the third one actually um, is the most tame. Okay. And so when I sat down to watch it, I was nervous again. This I was nervous when I was sat down to watch the second one. It was better than the first. So you kind of had PTSD just yeah. watching the second <laughs> or third ones. And then I got to the third and I kind of felt like it. the content calmed down with each. Okay. Almost like they did with Game of Thrones. Like let's throw a whole bunch at the beginning and then maybe – you know, calm down a little bit. Um, but with by the time I watched the third one, um, there were definitely some redemptive messages. Like yeah, Elle, what were some of those? Elle learns a lot about who she is and really to choose what is best for her instead of making choices based upon like what her best friend wants or what her boyfriend wants. She really has to think about how do I want to live the rest of my life? Okay. And I need to make those choices and that's important. And if I need to like say goodbye to a relationship for a phase or a time, that's okay. Okay. So there's some maturing happening there. Yes. It sounds like. Yes. Um, but I'm guessing even if they don't show as much that those other elements are still present in her relationship with her boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know if we want to dig into this right now, like the biggest content concern. Yeah, I think so. So I think honestly watching it and you, any parent or teen or whatever, watching it for like five seconds, we'll see that sex and the, the worldview around um, premarital sex and and all of that is is so heavy. Like from the beginning to the end, casual sex permeates the entire series. Like there's not ever a thought that maybe this is a bad idea. Or that there's heartbreak associated with that. Okay. And like when you decide to make these choices, like it doesn't really talk about the other side of it. Um, but honestly, and I think this is probably just as problematic, is Noah Flynn, and this is Elle's boyfriend, his behavior, he is possessive, um, psycho jealous and has so many issues. Like as I'm watching the third one, and again, it's meant to be dramatic. I mean, he, he just, instead of like wanting to work through things and mind you, he's like two years older than L. So you would think that he might be a little more mature. He's not. And he'll just like run out and make L follow him. And like, she's not allowed to talk to anybody, any guys really, but he's totally allowed to talk to whoever he wants and with you know there's this crazy double standard and his behavior is so toxic and i remember watching the first one thinking this is a joke right because people have <laughs> i mean really like if you look right now on instagram and on social media people are like lighting up friends like the series the tv show yeah, the tv show right yeah. so they're going on and on about how ross was this really toxic character and how his behavior he was whiny and manipulative and like so a bunch of people are trying to boycott it and I'm thinking, you're making this series, and this guy is a thousand times worse than him. Okay. But we're loving it and praising it. Okay. So, yeah. So this feels like the kind of show that a teenage girl could easily come home and say, Mom, my friends are watching this show. You know, can I watch it? Yeah. And so you're a parent, and maybe you're armed with the knowledge that we're hopefully giving you here. How do you talk through that? with your daughter about why 
this is potentially a show that either we don't watch or that we have a conversation about together. Yeah. I mean, I think the two, and we talked about this, but I think the two big talking points would be the, like the way that sex is viewed throughout the entire series and how when you are casual with sex, there are actual emotional, physical, mental consequences that come along with that because God has meant it to be between in marriage between a man and a woman, right? right. And so when we go against what his purpose and his design is, there it's going to get messy. Okay. And a lot of that mess isn't shown in this series. And so I think talking through like what does that look like is really important. Yeah. Um and I also think another it's weird because so before we talked about having this conversation that we're having right now, I went on social media and I looked at some of the comments um about people raving about this trilogy and I thought man, people are like really into this and they're really into the relationship between Elle and Noah. And it is extremely toxic. And if my daughter wanted to have a relationship like that, I'd be like throwing red flags in her face as she was walking toward the guy, like, (laughs) don't do it. (laughs) Um, So I think sitting down to have a conversation about like, what is a real healthy relationship that's not just founded on emotions look like? Because I think this is, this is true for all of us, but we all get caught up in our emotions. We all love certain movies because of the way they make us feel. And we talk yeah. about this a lot at Plugged In. Yeah. And I think it's even more so when you're a teenager. Like, I'm sure, I don't know about you, Adam, but like, I remember sitting up in my room <laughs> and listening to music and like losing myself in like my favorite albums or whatever, and just like living off of feeling. Yeah. And so when you have this trilogy that really talks about, Um, or that really discusses and gets into what it's like to have a boyfriend, but this boyfriend is so wrong and so toxic. I I don't know. And you've got so much intimacy and and you're not equipped to deal with it. No, but as a viewer, you like want this to work kind of, if you don't know any better, if you don't know the behavior is toxic. And that's why it was interesting as I was reading these comments, like these are grown women writing these things. Like, shouldn't they know better shouldn't you know better like no we're not excited about this and honestly in the third one by the time they broke off their relationship i paused the movie yeah sorry i paused (laughs) the movie and got so excited now at the end they meet years later after she graduates from college and he's like in law school or something and they're seen like riding their motorcycles down the road. And it's assumed that they probably start their romance all over again, which honestly, at that point, who knows? But we hope that they grew up and they're both less crazy. Right. So, and, and I think just to bring things in for a closing there, what we get is a stereotypical happily ever after right off yeah. literally into the sunset. And what yes. you're saying is what we don't see are the consequences of choices that could be far more devastating than we ride off on a motorcycle at the end Mm -hmm. and everything is awesome. Yeah. I mean, because I think the idea and kind of what they were trying to portray is like time sort of healed all of that. And as you really found out who you were, you were then ready for this person. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But that often doesn't happen. Right. And often you grow up and you realize as you've matured 
that you're either in a different space or a different like season than this person and you find somebody else. You have different groups of friends. Right. And after you've given yourself so completely yes. to somebody yes. as a teenager, yes. you can't undo that. Well, and I think that's part of that is kind of shown at the end. She looks at him and it's like this first love all over again. Yeah. And those emotions are very strong. And so I think as we have conversations with our teens, especially with this series, like it's really important to talk through that and probably be a little vulnerable and transparent as a parent about the things that you went through to help your kids realize that, you know, there's usually a stark contrast between reality and what we watch. Hmm. Well, I think that's a great place to stick the landing uh, on our conversation. Kristen, thank you so yeah. much for your insight today, talking about the kissing booth and some things that uh, that parents may need to think about if you've got someone in the house who is interested in this. Yeah. Well, one of the things we hope to do on the Plugged In Show is to keep you in the know about all the the buzziest entertainment and technology out there these days. I recently saw an article that said Netflix alone offers roughly 15,000 different movie and TV choices, and that's just one streaming outlet. Well, we're probably not going to get to all 15,000 of those stories, so I'm not going to promise that. But when it comes to the big ones that are shaping our culture, as well as shaping young hearts and minds that are impressionable and, and maybe don't see the problems with something like this, yeah. we want to make sure that you've got a resource to help you and your family understand and to navigate that popular culture. We would also love to hear from you regarding the shows you're watching or maybe avoiding what has stood out to you, maybe in a good way, maybe in a not-so-good way, in a show or a movie you feel people should know about? Connect with us on Facebook or Instagram, or drop us a message at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Moving forward, we would love to share your thoughts on the show and respond to them. So let's hear your story about streaming TV shows and movies you love, and those you're staying away from, even if it seems like everyone else is watching them. And today is our thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show audience. For a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation. Or if you prefer, you can also call 800-A-FAMILY. As always, thanks so much for spending some time with us, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Plugged In.